the movie that inspired the title of this episode and also was the impetus of me deciding literally like five months ago like whenever we started planning out episodes I said that this week because it's the week of President's Day, had to be. We are episode. recording on President's Day. Yeah, we're reco- yes, that we shows are. how quick of a turnaround we have, and I'm embarrassed. But anyway, <laughs> no, like I was just so reminded of this movie that I don't know if anyone else was addicted to like Disney original movies on Friday nights as a kid, but the week of President's Day, they always used to play My Date with the President's Daughter which is a film from 1998 and it shows and I just would freak out every year because I thought it was the greatest thing and like I also was into like luck of the Irish on St. Patrick's Day or I was really into like the Christmas ones so I liked like the holiday themes I liked Halloween Town. Halloween Town is the best decom. But See, I, just I like, thought you were going to say Chasing Liberty because that's the one, but that's on, I just looked it up, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, Chasing Liberty is that's not me. I believe it was originally no. on AMC Family or whatever, ABC Family. And that is a movie about a president's daughter, but it is not my date with the president's daughter. So Chasing Liberty is like a sad ripoff of my date with the president's daughter. <laughs> Who is the star of my date with the president's daughter? Because it's not on Disney+. Plus. It's on YouTube in full. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you to pirate this movie, but like if they weren't going to put it on Disney Plus, you could watch it on YouTube in full, the whole movie. I don't know who's in it. I don't think they're famous. Do I need to Google this? Let me Google. I don't think the two actors even matter. And yeah, Chasing Liberty is like, what if we give the guy a hot British accent? But it was, okay, I imagine this was the pitch. Producer walks into a room and he's like, what if we did my day with the president's daughter, but then the guy's British? That's it. I mean, that's it. That's all that happened. I remember this movie now. I just um, like Googling it, do a quick Google search and like the images that came up. Mm-mm. Yeah, these, this is my These childhood. actors are like irrelevant. And I think you, I don't yeah. even think Will Friedel? Friedel? I don't even know who that is. Apparently he played the elder brother, Eric Matthews on the long running TV sitcom Boy Meets World. How did Chelsea Clinton feel when this came out? Because at that moment, that's true. She was the president's daughter. And like, I feel like it would have been like just whatever if it came out like a different presidency when maybe the president didn't have a daughter or like she wasn't like an attractive young woman. But like, were the people who wrote the movie inspired by the fact that the president had a daughter who was an attractive young woman? Like, I, and how do you feel about that if you're Chelsea Clinton? I don't know. Also, do more presidents have daughters than sons? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe the daughters are just cooler. I said what I Except said. Except for Corey in the house, but he wasn't the president's son. He just lived in the White House. He just lived in the White House. That president had a daughter. This modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. Hello and welcome to Lady History, the good, the bad, and the ugly ladies you missed in history class. I'm here, as always, with Lexi. Lexi, what's the coolest thing your dad has ever done for you? Oh, my dad does really cool things, but the number one thing, and the thing I think Alana is fishing for, is my dad learned to high heel race in order to attempt to win me Jonas Brother tickets. You can find the video on YouTube if you are sleuthy enough. This was what, like 15, 16 years ago now, but it is on YouTube. And um, he clearly, when you look back at the tape, won. 
but they called someone else the winner on the scene and they did not let us dispute it. And so some other little girl got to meet the Jonas Brothers, even though I rightfully deserved the Jonas Brother tickets and my father was the fastest man in high heels. That's that story. I'm also here with Haley. Haley, what's the coolest thing you have ever done for your dad? Not gone to jail. (laughs) In the grand scheme of like how I am towards Fuzzy, I think he should just be proud that I'm alive at this point. For listeners who have not heard this before, her father is named Fuzzy. Yeah, my father's named Fuzzy. And I'm Alana and my dad still hasn't subbed to the Patreon. My mom did though. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Also, did you know that, okay, there's this whole theory with Corey in the House or whatever. So they intentionally, in Corey in the House and several other shows, make it so that the election years are off years that aren't election years in real life. Why? Oh, so they wouldn't, what? So it, so it doesn't appear like it's influenced by any real politics. So they're during midterms. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So they're like presidential elections, but they're occurring during real world midterms. And then yeah, yeah. during- I guess it would be opposite. So if there was a midterm election on Corey in the house, it would be. I think that was the same with Veep. Yeah, and it's a bunch of shows, apparently. Veep is of, like presidential show. shows do it to avoid whatever. It's already a fake president, though. So I don't. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. I find it really funny when, like, speaking of like fake presidents, when shows, I've seen, noticed this when rewatching NCIS, like they had the president on a cameo episode and it wasn't a real president. It was like, oh, Mr. President, and this random white guy walked in. But then in other episodes, to be like, President Obama, and it's like, you fake little shits. Like, you're bouncing back between, like, like, real and fake. The back of a bald black man, and they'd be like, Mr. President, but they never show his face during the Obama administration. Does anyone remember that? I I can't even name a specific show, but I feel like I remember. I remember when Obama was on Hannah Montana. (laughs) Wait, you know what's weird? This is another weird, like, YouTube theory, like, YouTube children's TV theory. That, do you ever watch those videos on YouTube where they, like, break down your favorite childhood, no. childhood shows? No. So, Hannah Montana and That's a Raven exist in the same universe. Therefore, Cory in the House and Hannah Montana exist in the same universe. But the president in Cory in the House is not Obama, but Obama is the president in Hannah Montana's reality. So then someone came up with this whole timeline theory where Obama was a fictional Obama who lost his re-election to the guy who's the president in Corey in the house. No, that's too much elaborate fictional timeline. This is why I don't YouTube because then my brain hurts. (laughs) On the Sunday following his inauguration, the very next day, the president took his problems to the great counselor. He went to church and bowed his head in prayer as he'd done on the morning of March 4th before proceeding to the Capitol to take the oath. Anna Roosevelt was born on May 3rd, 1906 in New York, New York. She was the first child and only daughter of Eleanor Roosevelt and her husband, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. If you are curious about her mom, Alana covered her in episode 20. Uh, So go back and listen to that. Supposedly, Eleanor was an early adopter of the baby cage trend in New York City If you guys have ever seen those photos online of babies like hanging outside windows in chicken wire baskets in New York City, that's what I'm talking about here. Apparently, Eleanor used to put Anna in one to take her naps so that she could get fresh air. However, take that story with a grain of salt because I could not find the original source that the articles were citing, which is weird. So maybe it deleted, disappeared from the internet, but... There are lots of people claiming this rumor, but I could not find the solid proof. Supposedly, she talked about it in an interview, and so they're citing the interview, but I cannot find the original interview. 
I think it's a great idea. It's fabulous. I think Get that keep your air. babies in cages outside the window. There's so many, like, besides around the time of this would have been happening, pictures of other babies. So I can see that happening. I even remember doing, like, you know, like, those online walking tours that you can just print from, like, Pinterest? I remember that being, like, one of them for some old building being, like, and this was a building where they had babies hanging out the window. <laughs> Um, yeah it's definitely plausible it's not like one of those ridiculous stories like she would have been a pretty early adopter of it because apparently it was more popular in the 20s and 30s but I don't think it's that unreasonable that Eleanor Roosevelt would have been ahead of the curve on like baby raising because that seems like that's possible as a child Anna attended Chapin School a private school for girls in the Upper East Side neighborhood of New York City that still operates today Fun fact from the school's wiki page, one of GW's Latin American Studies professors is also an alum from there. Who? I didn't write down her name. In 1920, Anna and her father participated in the seventh annual dog show of the Washington Kennel Club. At the time, FDR was the assistant secretary of war, and the two showed their dog, Chief of the Mohawk. We can get into that problematic name, but also, no, because we don't have time. But do know, dear listeners that we at Lady History understand that that name is problematic. He uh, took Eleanor first... Roosevelt, if you remember correctly, also said a pretty some pretty problematic stuff yes. about uh, Native American Indians. Yes, so it's not surprising. <laughs> That's Nothing shocking noise. here. He took first prize in the shepherd class, so good for him. I mention this because I think Anna really loved dogs, but I can't find like a phrase somewhere in some source that said Anna loved dogs, but all the evidence points to Anna loving dogs. And if you look at her husband's home video reels, her and her family are always with a dog. Like she's throwing balls to dogs or hugging dogs or running around the yard with dogs. And she always seems super excited to be playing with the dogs in the videos. And it makes sense since her dad is a documented and confirmed dog lover. So it makes sense. She graduated in 1924, and then she went on to attend Cornell University, where she took courses in forestry, which I think is an interesting career choice for a woman at the time. In 1926, she married her first husband, Curtis Beendahl. (laughs) Beendahl. (laughs) The couple had two children, Anna Eleanor, affectionately called Sisty, which is weird, and Curtis Roosevelt, known as Buzzy. Weird names from the 20s. Can I just say, I find it absurd and annoying how often they reuse names in the Roosevelt family. Like, if you're searching for info on Anna, you have to sort through stories about her cousins, her daughter, her great aunt, her grandmother, so on, so forth. Also her mother, whose name was Anna Eleanor. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, The names get reused and reused and reused. What the hell, guys? Can you not come up with any more names? But really, like, it's so repetitive. Like, I get, like, naming someone after one person because, like, that person was really cool. But, like, four generations of women don't need to all have the same name. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Apparently, throwing everything she learned about forestries, I guess, aside, Anna became associate editor of Babies, Just Babies, a magazine, you guessed it, about babies. I was going to guess, like kittens or something nope babies she also authored two children's books both of them starring a bunny named scamper who lived in the white house scamper the white house bunny and she also hosted a radio program which was sponsored by a department store so i think anna was like a youtuber before youtuber existed like she's like an influencer she had a podcast (laughs) hashtag ad 
Anna and Curtis divorced in 1934, and in 1935, she got remarried to Clarence John Boutiger. Not sure on that. And can you guess what they named their son? Would you like to take a guess? Franklin. No. Curtis. No. Fuzzy. His brother's name is Curtis. Fuzzy. This husband is named John. Named it John. And what's the middle name? Curtis's son is Curtis Roosevelt. John's son is... Dale? Wasn't it Dan? No, no, no. Curtis Bean Doll's son is named Curtis Roosevelt Doll. What is John's son's name? Bean. John Roosevelt. (laughs) John Roosevelt DJ, whatever that name is. So, again, reusing the names real hard. I think she was just like... Or their family is obsessed with the Roosevelt name. So like the sons that weren't born to sons that were born to daughters, they had to give it to them as a middle name to like keep it alive. You know, you know the thing. Also for like really names went a long way in business. So if you could like tell the family they came from, you're like, ah, oh, this is a good family. We can trust them. Or you knew Couldn't like their I status of wealth. I my son Roosevelt. That's what I'm thinking, but I'm wondering if they just extended kind of like, hey, we're just going to go all in and make it. I wonder if because it's a middle name and they see like, oh, Roosevelt, are you related to the Roosevelt? They could be like, yes. Oh, yes. But if it's someone's first name, they're just going to be like, that's a weird first name. No, but I mean, if I name my son, John Roosevelt, John Roosevelt, Budajer, 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 Budajer. And it's not Buttigieg because it is spelled B-O-E-T-T-I-G-E-R. And I don't know if it's like a French Buttigieg. Is it though? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So now both her sons have their mom's maiden name as their real name, as we've established. And they both have their father's first name. So I am pretty sure. This is just a theory. There's no proof. This woman got remarried so she could have another son and not worry about what she was going to name it because she was out of ideas. I mean, that's what happened, right? Because she couldn't have another son with Curtis because they can't name both their sons Curtis. But what if they'd had a daughter? Then they would have named her Anna. She already had Anna Eleanor. Fuck. So she's really out of ideas. She needed to get remarried. But you know what? If John, if Clarence John had had a mother, they could have named the daughter that mother's name. I said if he had a mother. Obviously he had a mother. They could have used her name unless her name was Anna. I don't know. It's a hot, hot mess. In 1943, she served as secretary for her father and she attended to his papers, answered his mail, and arranged his appointments. She also wrote some of his speeches for him and attended important events with her father. After her father passed away, Anna and her mother hosted a radio show called The Eleanor and Anna Roosevelt Program. And honestly, mother-daughter goals, pretty sure Anna would have been a podcaster, like I said before. Um, this is just a mother-daughter podcast, right? Mom? Mom? Mom, (laughs) if you're listening, which I know you are, no. This woman remarried again. I don't know if she was planning on having another son. Whatever. She didn't, though. She remarried in 1952, this time to a medical doctor named James A. Halstead, and she worked at Syracuse University in several different positions throughout the 1950s. In 1963, JFK appointed her to the Citizens Advisory Council on the Status of Women. In 1971, her and her husband retired to Hillsdale, New York, 
She passed away in 1975 in her hometown, New York, New York. That's it. That's Anna. I'm not starting a podcast with my mom. (laughs) She can come on the show and I'll go on her show. Hey guys, have you ever sat in history class and wondered where all my ladies at? I sure did when I was getting my history degree, but wonder no longer. Come to the Queens and Rebels podcast to hear about all the badass women that made history. Available on whatever you listen to your favorite show. For updates, please follow me on Pod on Instagram. Guess what? We're on Patreon. Tears start at just $1 a month. And we have three of them. Become a brilliant backer for $1. Find out early about new merch and ticketed events and get access to our monthly newsletter. Support our show by becoming a confident contributor for $4 a month. In addition to the benefits from the previous tier, you get access to our Discord community and one bonus episode every Sunday. Or lastly, prove that you love us the most by becoming a sensational super fan for $7. In addition to the benefits from the previous tiers, get access to a monthly interactive live stream with one of us and get the power to decide future Lady History content by voting. Join our community and help us keep the show running at patreon.com slash ladyhistorypod. Woohoo, we did it. This next story is about Harriet Hemings, and we have a content warning about racism and abuse. So this story of like the president's daughter is more of um, a somber and serious, not what we've been talking about with our Disney movies and such. This is the story of Harriet Hemings, a daughter of Thomas Jefferson. Many of you might be doing a huh or eyebrow raise because Harriet Hemings hasn't been widely recognized as a president's daughter until the past 20, 25 years or so when DNA was used to figure out that Thomas Jefferson had sexual relations and children with one of his slaves, Sally Hemings. We've talked about former presidents owning slaves, so this abuse should not come as a shock. Frankly, it's something that we should be talking more about and why I wanted to keep this story for this episode. Born at Monticello in 1801, Harriet was the only surviving daughter of Sally Hemings and Thomas Jefferson. She grew up with the rest of her brothers and extended family at Monticello, and like them, she was enslaved by her father, the president. She worked at a textile workshop as a wool spinner, and this was a typical job for enslaved miners before they were either trained to do a specific task or go out to work in the fields. Around 21, she ran away and the Monticello website has this in quotes, which kind of made me cringe, just like the wording of it. So be wary when, if you want to go research more, some of the um, websites I looked at, I could see like a bias trying to make it seem more of a pleasant story rather than yes, presidents weren't great people. They did some shitty things. So that's just a warning for your research. 
and was able to settle down in DC. And for those people who don't know the area or geography of DC, Monticello and DC are about like a two hour trip away from each other. She was able to pass within white society as a free woman and a Washington Post article said that her father had given her $50 as travel expenses. And this article is written by Villanova University professor, Dr. Catherine Carrison. And she actually wrote a lot of books about this topic or the founding fathers, which are also in the show notes. It was also in DC where Harriet started her family, but this also meant that she never saw her brother um, and her mother back in Monticello because they stayed there. With this um, departure, there was an identity and like record of her, of her past life that was completely removed for myriad of reasons. We just know, we don't know. We know that it just disappeared, wiped away until around 50 plus years later when her brother decided to come out and tell her story and say, this is Harriet Hemings, the daughter of Thomas Jefferson. So we do have quotes and recordings, written recordings, written accounts of that. He said that Harriet had confirmed what I spoke about before about moving DC as a white woman getting married and having children. He also added that, quote, not aware that her identity as Harriet Hemings of Monticello had ever been discovered. Like no one at Monticello knew that she was living as a white woman two hours away. They kind of just assumed that when she ran away, she died or like something bad happened to her. They didn't imagine success or that's the impression I got from different readings. I highly encourage everyone to take advantage of Monticello's website and other historical archives. There was so much I had to cut. So just lie down on your floor or your bed, close your eyes, put on a YouTube video, read a book. I put a lot of sources in the show notes that'll be up, courtesy of Alana. Archived quotes I pulled, they have like pictures of that, I believe, on the Monticello website. Monticello has been doing a lot of archiving recently in digital collection management. So even with just Thomas Jefferson's life, that's all up there for your future. But that's it, that's Harriet. I christen the United States ship Gerald R. Ford. May God bless the ship and all who sail her. So today's story is the fast one because I had a bad week, but I will be back in ship shape next time. I promise. I can't promise that, but it'll be okay. Susan Ford was born July 6th, 1957, a cancer. Uh, She was the only daughter and the youngest child of the 38th president, Gerald Ford. And it's going to be important that she's the only daughter for some bullshit gender role reasons later on in the story. Ford became president in 1974 after Nixon resigned uh, when Susan was 17. And just real fast, the bullshitty gender role reason, the main job of a first lady is to be hostess to visiting diplomats and government people and to do the holiday stuff. I'm going to be really excited to see a first gentleman do that at some point. I can't wait someday. But in 1974, Gerald Ford's wife, Betty, had breast cancer surgery and couldn't fulfill her first lady role. Air quotes on first lady role because whatever. I don't like it, but it's fine. So Susan, as the Ford's only daughter and only other female person in the family, low-key became first lady she was 17 um and so she did all the like hostessy kind of things but the most fun thing that i really 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 want to highlight is that if your math is better than mine 
you might have noticed and calculated that Susan was a senior in high school the year that her father became president. And she had her senior prom at the White House. I was about to say that. I was like, if you have your prom at the White House, you are not ready to be first lady. <laughs> I was she a had her mess prom in high at school. the White House. Which is like the biggest flex. Imagine. Imagine if Malia and Sasha had their proms at the at the White House. They probably could have. And in my sources, there is an article with some really cool pictures of the evening. So 70s, so much fun. Go look at them. Susan later attended Mount Vernon College, which is where I lived my freshman year of undergrad because it is now the Mount Vernon campus of George Washington University. So I don't know, maybe Susan Ford and I lived in the same dorm. I'm not sure. She was briefly married to a Secret Service agent she met while the agent was working for her dad. So that's a little bit weird. Uh, She was 21, but he was 16 years older than her. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now she is married to a lawyer, which is kind of boring, by which I mean less scandalous. But like, good for her. The other fun thing that I want to highlight Lexi, do you remember that Barack Obama, Joe Biden, buddy detective novel thing that we saw at Kramer Books that one time? Lexi's giving me a thumbs up and nodding. Susan Ford wrote a bunch of those, but about a president's daughter, links to which will absolutely be in further learning. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. She totally looks like a Karen now, but she still does a lot of work for breast cancer awareness activism, which is really cool. Uh, And also in further learning is an article about what breast cancer activism looked like when Betty Ford had her surgery and Susan was also doing some of that activism work. So go take a look at that. It was a really interesting read. It's like what breast cancer activism looked like before Pink Ribbon. It's a really interesting history. That's the end of my story. It's short. She's still alive and looks a lot like a Karen. Doesn't sound like she behaves like a Karen, though. She wrote a book about a woman, which is already leagues ahead of some Karens. That's true. You can find this podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Lady History Pod. Our show notes and a transcript of this episode will be on ladyhistorypod.tumblr.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or tell your friends. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Lexi B. Draws. Our theme music is by me, GarageBand, and Amelia Earhart. Lexi is doing the editing. You will not see us and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. Next week on Lady History, we're headed to the ballpark and we're talking about a lot of different sports people, but I only know baseball references, so get ready for those. I need to go to bed. I have therapy tomorrow. When you said I have therapy tomorrow, it reminded me of I have a basketball game tomorrow. <laughs> I play point guard. I have, I have a point guard. I got shuke. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. You know, therapy tomorrow.